Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I was asked, how did I get into this ministry? I didn't ever intend on being in ministry. Um, I graduated from college with um, advertising and marketing and um, I thought I'd go into advertising, but it's a really long story how I think God brought me to this place, but I got really into the Word of God when I was home for a year after back surgery, and that was really all I could do. Um, I had a homebound tutor, and she came, but she came once a week, and then I was the kind of kid that if you gave me the assignments, I was going to do it all at the same time, and so I was through hours after she came, and then I had a whole nother week, and I was home alone in the eighth grade for a year and so I just read and read and read and read the word of God and it's turned out to really save my life and of course having chronic back pain um, because of that metal rod in my back um, for 30 years I think it's the word that has kept me from going under because when you have spinal cord back pain um, the way that I have it it's down your legs it's all over your body it's everywhere and it hurts and since I can't bend my back since I'm fused now completely um, I can only bend my neck I can only bend my hips Um, there's so much going on right now in my life and in your life where you have to know I have to know what I'm teaching right now I have to learn how to live on earth but be in the kingdom otherwise we're all going to be depressed and we're all going to give up. And I haven't given up on God healing me. I, I really clearly believe that he's good and that he's our healer. Um, I don't know why some things happen and some things don't happen. I know God is good, very clearly that God is good and that he doesn't do bad things to us, that that is very clearly from the enemy. And Jesus taught that very clearly in John 10.10 10, when he said the thief is the one that has come to kill, steal, and destroy. In other words, hey, you all, people who have had disasters happen in your life and you've lost someone you loved and or you're struggling with this or that or financially you can't get it together, it's the thief that's come to kill and steal and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and life abundant. And so if Jesus offers us that life, then there, it can't be impossible for us to attain that life. If Jesus says, I've come to have life and life abundant, then it can't be impossible for you to have life and life abundant or Jesus is a liar. And so when we say, you know, it's impossible, then we make God a liar. And that's why in this class, what we're basically learning to do right now is to live in truth instead of living in the facts. And the truth is a person named Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he needs to be our way, our truth, and our life. And that's exactly what happened when I had leukemia. Um, Constantly was saying over and over, I know what the facts are. I know that the facts are really, really bad, especially with AML for an adult. I know what the facts are, bone marrow, leukemia. My body was between 95 and 99% dysplasic, so I had between 5 and 2% normal cells left in the bone marrow. And so the facts look really bad. And so what do you do? You have to live in the truth. 
And sometimes when we don't understand God, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today if we get to that place, we still have to live in the truth. I can't just say, well, this has been going on for this many years, and so I'm not going to believe anymore. Well, what's faith for? If everything is instant, what is faith for? Faith is the the evidence of things not seen. And so if everything was instant or we knew we'd get everything in a week, we wouldn't need any faith. If we, if we understood everything, we wouldn't need any faith. I mean, faith is living with questions. And yet, allowing God to have periods after his sentences instead of question marks. When he says, I love you, don't put a question mark there. But when you are going through something you don't understand, put a question mark there and go to God. I mean, he loves us so much. And I, so I think over the years of having to seek him, being on my knees, um, being pulled from my peers, being in that body cast for a year, um, I sought what I wanted to seek, which was truth. <laughs> and I, I even had a lot of questions. My homebound tutor was um, a Christian scientist. I asked her questions, um, and I, I knew that that wasn't how I believed deep in my heart and just kind of made it through and then in high school carried around Romans 12:2, which says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God that which is good acceptable and perfect and so what we need to do in Bible studies is renew our mind because that's how we prove the will of God not by living your life and I think that's really significant in Romans 12:2. you can't just say well this happened that happened it's God's will No, God's will is proven when our minds are renewed and when we start doing what he says. I mean, we can't go off and do whatever we want to do and say, well, that's God's will. Otherwise, I mean, what's the point? Well, okay, I'm going to just do a little bit of review. We talked about two kingdoms, and we're talking about two kingdoms, the kingdom of heaven, which is where we're going to live for eternity, but it also is where... Christians are to live here on this earth, and Matthew talks about it all over the place, and yet when I ask a Christian, well, what's the kingdom of God, what's the kingdom of heaven, and they say, okay, well, that's heaven, that's where we're going to live for eternity, and I say, no, 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 what does it mean for you now? Most Christians can't answer that, and yet Jesus taught about the kingdom of heaven over and over and over and over And so we want to learn more about the kingdom of heaven. And then there's the kingdom of earth, which is really easy. It's the world in which we physically live. So we're to live on earth, but in heaven, on this earth. And if we can do that, which of course we can, because Jesus doesn't set his children up to fail. Did you know that? That's why it says in the Word that no temptation has seized you except for what is common to man and that God will provide a way out so that you may stand up under it. Just like a good father, Jesus doesn't tempt, well, God doesn't tempt anyway, but he, God doesn't allow you to get to a place where you are set up to fail. And I, I think that was important to say today because sometimes I think we feel that way. We've got so much going on and so many really difficult situations have happened in our life, and we're like, God, are you just setting me up to just trip around all my life? No, he's not. There's a way out. We just don't know enough. If God says that I can have life and life abundant, and I'm not having it, and on many days I'm not having it, 
And yet the days that I really get in the Word and speak the Word and really change to what I'm going to show you all, it's a little different, but it really is what we are supposed to be doing, but we're not because we don't know. When I do that, I live in the kingdom of heaven. I have joy in the midst of hurt. I have peace in the midst of questions. Um, Isn't that right, Lacey? That's right. And so that's what Lacey and I want to share is what God has so imparted in our lives. And, And then we're convicted because if you don't have a lot of people around doing it, you start to kind of morph towards whatever is strong around you. So we want to look at first the Word of God just real quickly as a review because I think it's important. You know, I can't remember what the percent, but there's some kind of amazing percent that you retain like, what, like a tenth of what you hear or something like that. I don't know what it is, but I remember when I heard it. Does anyone know? See, because you learn that and you don't remember. (laughs) See, just like me, I'm like, yeah, that was really amazing. It was like, I, I don't remember really. But... You know, it's important for us to review, and any time we go over the Word, your faith is built in that area, because God says that faith is built from hearing the Word and hearing the Word of God. So we know that Romans tells us that. Well, we want to look then at the fact that this kingdom on earth, the world in which we live, is definitely under the control of Satan. Okay, And some people go, gosh, that's creepy. I've never heard that before. Don't take my word for it, ever. Don't take my word for anything. I'm just going to show you in 1 John 5, 19, it says the whole world is under the control of the evil one. In 2 Corinthians 4, 4, it says the God, that's a little g, of this world has blinded the minds of people. Okay? See, what happened was in the fall of man... Adam basically turned over his control to the enemy. And then disease came in and all these things and death that weren't even in the plan of God. People were meant to live forever. That's why even Adam lived for like 900 years or something like that. But I don't remember because I wasn't paying attention to that part. Somewhere at some point. You know, we need to understand though that when Jesus died on the cross, He did get authority for us. We have God's authority. We don't have God's power, but we have God's authority over things. And then we have the authority to use God's power as his children. And in Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And so we're going to be learning a little bit about that authority and how to use that authority. Otherwise, What you don't know can hurt you. Do you agree? I mean, knowledge is power. And the Bible says my people die from lack of knowledge. And so I'd rather learn that than read about somebody's book about someone's book about someone's book. And and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but I'm just so glad you're here because this is going to change your life. So... When also Jesus died on the cross, and when you received him as your Lord and Savior, literally you were marked with a seal. And I don't know where the seal is. It doesn't exactly say, but you were marked with a seal. It says in Ephesians 1.13, Having believed, you were marked with him, in him, with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So you can't see, and I can't see, 
but every spirit, whether good or bad, we know a third of the angels went with the Satan and fell, went with Lucifer, and two-thirds are with God. Um, and so whether good or bad, whatever spirits are here, and they are because the spiritual world is alive and well, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have been casting out demons. Um, and he talked so much and talked so much about Satan and demons. But the reason that he did is because for the first time, people had authority. Before, they didn't have authority because it was before Jesus. So the people of the Old Testament just really didn't know about any of that. I think Satan is mentioned twice in the Old Testament. as Once as the accuser and once as, I think, the devil. Twice in the whole Old Testament. And in the New Testament, you read the letters in red. Those are Jesus' words. So in case you never know what to read, just go to the red, you know, and then you'll be sure to get something really good. It's all good. It's all powerful. But Jesus taught and taught and taught and taught about this is good. This is bad. God is good. Satan's bad. This is what Satan does. This is, you know, why this person has this disease. And, and I'm not saying that anybody in this room is Please don't freak out and say, you know, I think I'm possessed now, that Bible study leader, and get me in trouble. Because I get in trouble enough, and I don't need you to get me in trouble. Um, If you're a Christian, you can't be possessed because you have the Holy Spirit in you. So you're possessed by him. So if you don't want to be possessed by a demon, get saved real quick. Then I could get everybody saved in the whole church. So in Christ, we are to be spiritually living in the kingdom of heaven while physically living on this earth. So we're to stay in the word, though, or we'll go into the world. And God really gave me that as I was just sitting and preparing this. I just kept saying over and over in my heart, stay in the word or or you'll stay in the world. It's kind of hard to say. Stay in the word or you'll stay in the world. I promise you, you can even be in the word and starting to live in the kingdom of heaven. What do I mean about that? You have righteousness, peace, and joy. See, what is the kingdom of heaven? The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy. You start having the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Joy and peace and love and, and patience and goodness and, and all of that wonderful fruit. But if you don't stay in the Word, you'll go back to the world. I promise. Because that's just the default that we all have in us. We have to have the Word of God to renew us and cleanse us and clean us and to renew our minds because the whole world is telling you something else. I mean, you can just turn on the television and you will find a lot of things that are speaking against God or um, that are just awful that are now becoming acceptable. I was talking with a friend last night about how things that used to not be acceptable are acceptable, and it's progressively becoming more and more and more and more like that. And it's amazing, really, but it's because that is the trend of the world. Why? Why has it gotten more and more and more and more like that? Because it's under the control of the enemy. But as Christians, we aren't. We have power over sin, and we don't even, we're not even affected by death. So when you have that mark, The enemy and his demons know that they can't get you to hell, but they can make your life miserable here so that you're so unaffected, unaffective, and so just wrought up with your own defeat and depression and and pain and, and everything else that he can throw at you to defeat you that 
you can't even bring anybody into the kingdom. So you kind of just limp around and then you go on to eternity. And that is not what Christians are supposed to do. We're supposed to know that the one that's within us is greater than the one that's within the world. We're supposed to have that attitude all the time. But you can't have that unless you've built faith and unless you have the word. And so we're going to talk about that. And it's really exciting. And if this is the first time you've heard some of this, your life is about to be rocked in a good way. Because sometimes it feels strange. But sometimes truth is strange when we've been believing a lie. You know? I've sat down with children, one in particular, when I used to go out to... um, Burning, I went to a place called Meadowland, and it's basically a permanent living facility for children who've been removed from their home by the state of Texas, and I would go out and do a Bible study. And I'm telling you, to talk with a child and try to get them to see that God loves them when they've been repeatedly told they're worthless, their parents tried to kill them, I mean, one, a lot of them, a lot, most of their parents were in the pen, and a lot had, had abuses that I'm not even going to glorify Satan. Why glorify him? Um, and try to convince them that God loves them. It's hard because they have faith in the wrong thing. They have faith that they're stupid. They have faith that they're worthless. They have faith that they are undeserving of love. Whatever you've been told and told and told and told and told and told and told is what you have faith in. And sometimes we have faith in a lie. And that's why we need to go back to the Word. And even if it's uncomfortable, just have the attitude, if you're reading the Bible, it's true. It's true. Why put a question mark where God has put a period? It's done. It's true. So does God's Word change or does my life change? See, I want my life to look more like Jesus said, life and life abundant. And so I can have that because my father doesn't set me up to fail. And I can have that because Jesus said it. And I can have it because I know him and love him. And so if I'm not having that, then maybe I don't know something. Okay, so we're going to look really quickly here that I said uh, last Sunday... It made all of you kind of raise your eyebrows, um, those of you that can. And um, that was a joke. Oh, that was funny. I have tried Botox. It's nothing to be shameful about. You should be ashamed of yourself. Lacey got the bill and said, you don't need that, honey. You really, really look beautiful the way you are. Started that look beautiful thing. Okay, you're supposed to live in the world. We'll say world one. So live in world one. That is the kingdom of heaven. While living on world two, which is earth, without joining world two and love the people of world two while trying to hate most of what they love, even though your flesh might want to love it too and never join world two, instead desire for all the people living in world two to join world one. So I know that's not confusing anybody. Which world? <laughs> you know what? And that is confusing in our lives. It's like, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be not of the world because the Bible says don't be of the world. 
And so what does that mean? No, that means that you're supposed to live in a different kingdom and yet live on the earth. And we are supposed to make people, the Bible even says make them jealous to want um, what we have. What do we have? We're supposed to have righteousness, peace, and joy. They're supposed to see that even under the worst of circumstances, we're thriving. Read Jeremiah 17 when you get home. It's one of my favorite, favorite passages in Jeremiah. But we, we not only are encouraged to thrive when things are difficult, when there's a drought. And sometimes, you know, in the Bible it will talk about a drought and how a tree that would represent a believer still bears fruit and does wonderful in this drought. And we need to realize that sometimes we have a drought from hearing from God even. You know, there are times where you just feel like, oh my gosh, oh yes, you know, we're such good friends, God and me and Jesus. And then there are times where we have this drought. And God says, you're not supposed to just close down shop and say, that's it. I'm not going to try to help anybody or pray with anybody because I haven't heard from God on all these things for so long. You're supposed to continue to bear fruit. And we're supposed to continue to reach out to one another and help one another. So anyway, I'm diverting a little bit. So there's a constant war, obviously. If it's that confusing, there's a constant war between world one and world two, between us, between earth and heaven, between good and evil, between God and the devil, between us and satanic spirits, between our flesh and our spirit. Constant war. We're always at war. Did you know that? Because some people are like, you know, I'm just a really passive person. But see, if you got drafted and you got put down in a helicopter in the middle of a battle zone, you better get unpassive pretty fast. And when we get in a battle, like when something's going on in your family and you really got a battle, I I was talking to a friend last night. We went to dinner and her um, sister in high school they lived in Houston, was kidnapped from the Galleria. And they called and um, couldn't find her. She didn't come home, didn't come home, didn't come home. It was 2 o'clock in the morning, 16-year-old, didn't come home. And my friend said it was so powerful to have her whole family there holding hands and praying her sister back. And... That man let her go, and she was fine. And he just seemed confused. And she did all these things that 16-year-olds wouldn't really know to do, like she didn't look at his face because she didn't want him to fear that she could identify him. So she took that out of the way. Um, And she just did all these things, and she prayed and prayed and prayed. And her family prayed. What were they doing, though? They were doing battle. See, a lot of us would think doing battle is, I'm going to go to the gallery, I'm going to go in my car, I'm going to look, I'm going to look, I'm going to look, and I'm going to call and I'm going to go and go and go. Well, there's some of that. If God directs you to do that, do that. But we try action over what really works. See, even in battle, we're not to be like the world. That is how the world would do it. If that was an agnostic family or an atheist family or a family that just went to church because they needed to certain times a year, but they didn't really believe what they were being told, which is what a lot of people do, or they're just culturally Christian. Why pray? You don't really believe anything. And so their actions are going to be different. 
they're going to hire detectives and they're going to and and not that we shouldn't do that as well but we should pray first and so they battled the right way and she's fine today um that's just an it's a second chance at life it's amazing so we are to battle in a different way even in fighting this war we are to be different in the world 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. And so here we're told, you know, when you get in a spiritual battle, when one of your kids are going the wrong way, or you're having problems in your marriage, or anything that pits evil against good, anything that pits God against the devil, anything that pits your flesh against your spirit, maybe you're addicted to something. That's a battle. You are in a battle. You, as a Christian, should not be trying to fight the battle the way the world does because you may or may not succeed, depending on God's mercy. You know, we're supposed to fight with the weapons that God gives us. And so now you can go home and do that, right? We got to talk then. We got to get deeper and say, okay, if the word is true and if I don't have what Jesus says, which is abundant life, and I know that I can have it and I don't have it, then I need to know how to have it. And so maybe I'm fighting wrong. I'm trying to fight evil. I'm I'm a nice person. I hear that all the time. Kathleen, pray for me. I have all these things going on. I love Jesus and I'm such a nice person. All these bad things are happening. And I'm like, well, that's probably why, you know. The devil hates love. He hates nice people. He likes to disable people to the point that they can't love. And in the end times, Jesus says that it is the love of people that will grow cold and so when you find even as a christian your love just growing cold you better battle but battle the right way so here we go second corinthians 10 4 i'm going to read that part again the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world on the contrary they have divine power to demolish strongholds we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god And that's what we've been teaching, is the knowledge of God. This is what God wants. And then we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I could teach on that section of the Bible for like till Easter, or beyond Easter, till Christmas, and all through the summer, because it's so powerful. But I'm not doing spiritual warfare. I, I want you to want to know more about that. But I want to just go over it really quickly so that when you leave here, you will know how to battle and you will know what your weapon is. See, a lot of Christians do know this whole, you know, um, this whole body of armor that we've been given in, in, in Ephesians. And we've been given the helmet of salvation, that knowledge of salvation, the breastplate, I better not say that wrong, breastplate, plate of righteousness, the belt of truth, um, the sword of the spirit, and God has shod our feet with the gospel of peace. But what most Christians do that know about the weapons is they try to battle by, you know, hitting the enemy, swapping him on the head with the helmet of salvation. I'm saved. Leave me alone, you know, or trying to hit him with the belt of truth, trying to wallop him with the, the shoe of, of the gospel. Um, and that's really not what we were told to do. None of those are offensive weapons that I mentioned. 
try to push him back with the breastplate of righteousness. Move, move, move. I'm righteous. You know, God said that he's given us a weapon, and it is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That is our only offensive weapon. And yet, if I talk to Christians today, they'll say, you know, I just, I just really don't know any scripture. That, that, that's the one thing I need to do. I need to memorize a little bit more scripture. And really, that scares me because you don't have any defense against the enemy if you don't have a Bible with you. See, when he comes, we're supposed to get the scripture out immediately because that's what Jesus did, remember? Jesus, exactly, Jesus was taken and, and actually, we won't get into this either, but if you're, a, if you're a mature believer, have your ears open to this. It was the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's, he, is, he is famished, he's weak, it's at his weakest point. But it was actually the Holy Spirit that led him because, see, God was going to show even Jesus, who was man, who was God's son, what was in his heart. See, when you pass a test, it just builds you so high. I mean, just pass the test of forgiving somebody. Just go out today and go into the service if you haven't gone to the service and and just pass the test of loving somebody. Pass the test of just putting your arm around your spouse even though you fought all the way here. You know, pass that test. It, it, anyway, so Jesus gets there and Satan is tempting him. And Jesus doesn't say, I'm the son of God, leave me alone. See, that would be his breastplate of righteousness, right? He doesn't say, I, I'm going to always go to heaven and I know I'm saved, so go away. You're going to go to hell. Go away. Stop tempting me. That would be his helmet. I mean, his, uh, yeah, helmet of salvation. You all get my point. He doesn't wallop them with the belt of truth. <laughs> it didn't say anything about doing that. As a matter of fact, you would actually be more vulnerable if you took that stuff off and didn't use the weapons the way they were made. He used the sword, which is the word of God, and said, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. It is written, bow down to the Lord your God and serve him only. And how are we to be different than Jesus? We're to do the same thing. He didn't think it. He said it out loud. And for a lot of us, this is not something that, I mean, we've heard this before, but we, unless everybody around you is doing it, you stop doing it. But for some people, it's like, I've never heard that before. We're to live out loud. We've been told that faith and religion is so private and don't bother anybody. We are to live out loud. That's what Jesus did. We're to speak out loud. Matter of fact, I, have, I wish I had a t-shirt that said live out loud. So we are to speak out loud, live out loud. That's not my nature. By nature, I'm a very quiet person. I go, well, most of the time. I know I am, most of the time. I, most of the time I am. Um, but I... I, I re-energized by myself. I re-energize with God very quietly. I'm just not, my children are loud. Both my children, matter of fact, my parents were like, how do you and Lacey, who are by nature quiet people that speak quietly, except for when I'm teaching, because when I'm teaching, I'm not representing me. And I'm not really speaking out of my head. I'm speaking out of my heart. 
And I've learned to just go with the Holy Spirit and not worry about things. Because um, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he wants to teach and he knows who's here and he knows everything. And so it's so fun. And when I teach, I have no back pain. So I could teach all day long. None. Zero. Zip. Because I'm under the anointing. And it's very powerful. So, anyway, we are to out loud with our mouths use the word of God. Out loud. So guess what that means? That means that it needs to be in our heart. The Bible said, how can a young man keep his way pure? To know the word of God. To have the word of God in his heart. It's in Proverbs. I don't know exactly where. But we need to have it in our heart. So even if you just go home today and you memorize one scripture... Just memorize it and use that as the sword of God. Every part of the scripture is the sword. Memorize one scripture and when you're tempted, use it. Or when you're overcome, use it. You know, why do I know so many scriptures about anxiety and fear? (laughs) Right. And I had reason to be. And see, if you defend why you are the way you are, you can stay that way. Instead of saying, you know what, I have absolute reason to be anxious. I have reason to be fearful. But God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. And he said for me to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, to give my request to him, and that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard my heart in my mind, in Christ Jesus. Can you ever think of a time that we more needed our hearts and minds guarded by the peace of God that's not dependent on circumstances, but that surpasses our understanding? In other words, someone says, you have this going on, and you have that going on, and that going on, but you have peace. How can you have peace? And you just say, it just really surpasses all understanding. It's just from Jesus. That will make the world want to be Christian. What doesn't make the world want to be a Christian is when Christians huddle together, when Christians go and and judge people, when Christians... We won't go there. We're just not going to go there. and, And all of us have made mistakes, but it's when we have the fruit of the Spirit. When we live in the kingdom, we have righteousness, peace, and joy. That's what attracts. Because that is really who Jesus is. So... We are going to look at this really, really quickly. Oh, gracious. I feel like I just started. This is very sad. Um, Mom, I promise I'll use my timer, but I haven't gotten it out of the package yet. I really haven't. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants with these two kids and, and with the pain stuff. I have to do a lot of stuff to to stand up here and... I woke up at five and swam and stretched and there was a lot of stuff and straightened my hair and <laughs> what? You do stuff like that. So we know the sword is the word of God and out loud is the way we're supposed to do it. But I want you to look too if you have the Bible open and you're looking at Second Corinthians ten. There is something there that we won't go, again, super into. I sure would love to, but it says, and take captive every thought. See, it says we demolish arguments and pretension. We demolish strongholds. So demolish, demolish, demolish. I I see the sword. 
our offensive weapon that we've been given, demolish with the sword, demolish strongholds. So if you've got a stronghold in your life of anger, and I don't know why, but I'm so sorry, but I just get angry. Well, if you excuse it, you can keep it, you know. If you fight for it, you can have whatever you fight for, you know. I'm angry because my father was angry. Well, you can stay angry. Or you can say, you know, I don't think anger and each constant eruption is a fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't say righteousness, peace, joy, and personal anger and eruption. I mean, that's not an example of love. So if I know that I have that and that's a stronghold in my life, I've got to use the sword, the Word of God. I've got to say love is good, love is God. Um, I have to say things that I would look up about anger. Um, there is a lot of scriptures in Proverbs about anger, about a man who can't even control himself is, is worse off than a man who can't control a whole city. A ruler, he's like a ruler who can't control a city and um, that just gets angry, that just gets off. And words are powerful. But anyway, let's, let's go back to where we were. Captive is the key. If you look up in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so, captive is huge. Because we really are what we think. That is what Satan, that is what he does, is he sends us thoughts. And I used to think everything I thought was just what I needed to think on until I realized, gosh, I can think on really sad, scary, dreadful things, or I can think on really happy things. And the book of Philippians says, whatsoever good, whatsoever is, is just, what is all those good things, that's what I want you to think on. Why? Because you kind of morph into what you think all the time. And so... We want to think on things that God wants us to think on, but we want to take captive. And that is so important. I I want to teach that, and I don't have time now, but how to take captive every thought. That is so, so, so important. But basically, a key to that is just knowing God. Getting to know Him better from His Word, you can start to think, that that is not from God. How many of you have ever just been driving down the street and, and you just have this horrible you know, fear come over you or this awful thought or you see yourself doing something that's completely not you. Um, we need to take that captive. Don't, don't open up the door and let it in and let it sit down and, and converse with it and get it something to drink. And You see what I mean? Because see, if a big, ugly, burly, big old hairy... Kids love stuff like that. Anytime you start saying gross stuff, they're like, yeah. Just man, just teeth all mangled, and he was seven feet tall, and he came to your door. It's like an ugly thought, okay? You wouldn't go, oh, come on in. I I want you to come in and tell me why you're here. And yet when we have thoughts come to us that are ugly and they're awful and they scare us and we know they're not of God, we say, come on in. I want to know why you're here. And we think on it and we let our imaginations go wild. And then we wonder, you know, how did I get down that path? And we know this. This is really not new to us because we say things to our friends like, don't let me go there. What are you really saying? Don't, don't let me go down that road. I, if I go there in my thought processes, 
then I'm going to end up in a bad place. And so we know we have a choice. And so God says, take captive every thought. You have a thought that's not of the word of God. You have a thought, a subtle thought. Um, You know, no one's really ever left me. Maybe that's the thought. Is that the truth? No. It could be the truth with people. Maybe they've never really, really loved you. And there are people in this world that have really never been loved. Believe me. Orphanages all over the world. Abused people all over the world. People in prisons all over the world. And that's why the Bible said true religion is visiting the widow and the orphan. And so, but if I have that thought, even if no one has ever loved me or understood me, God has. I was even his idea. (laughs) He not only loves me, he likes me. And I can look in the book of Ephesians and, and say, you know, I am his workmanship, created to do good works before the foundation of the world that I should do them. And, and so even that word in the Greek says, I'm God's poem. How could I believe that he doesn't love me? He loves me. See, I just took that thought captive and I used the sword to demolish that lie. But I could have gone another way. I could have really gone another trail. No, I don't think God loves me. I've had all these bad things happen to me. And I don't think so-and-so really loves me and they don't understand me and they put themselves first and no, no one really loves me, especially not God. I mean, if I went on circumstances, if God loved me or not, we would. I would really not be teaching this class. <laughs> I mean, I would really wonder at times. But see, he's, he's done so many other good things and that's so important when you're going through something or you can't do something you used to be able to do, what can you do? I mean, we're so blessed. We're so blessed. Oh, my goodness, I'm going to get in trouble. Okay, so we're going to stop there. We need to take captive every thought. We're going to start there. And I want you to leave knowing the sword is the word of God. Learn one scripture before you come back on Sunday next week. Learn one. I'm not going to put you up here and ask you it, but it's for your good. It's for your benefit. Just if no matter what it is, just learn it. Okay. And if you don't know, like, I'll give you ideas because I love scriptures. And anytime I teach a class, I'll go, okay, this is my favorite one. And then I'll say, okay, no, this one's my favorite one. And then I'll say that one. And then I'll, oh, this is my favorite scripture. So everybody just laughs. They're like, I love the word of God because it saved my life. It's changed my life. It gives me life. And I have hope because God's word is true. In the face of impossibility, God loves impossible stuff. He loves it. He loves to part the Red Sea. He loves to raise Jesus from the dead. He loves He loves it. And so I figure I'll just give it to him and he'll do exceedingly abundantly above all I could hope or ask or think, and he will for you too. Father God, I just thank you for this time we've had together. I ask that you would um, bring forth the people that might have received you for the first time or anyone that needs to talk for a little bit. And I ask also, Lord Jesus, that each person um, memorize the scripture that you have for them not because it's a good thing or we're good Christians or it's going to make us smarter, but because it's a matter of life and death. Lord, we can so see 
that it's a matter of life and death. That the world pulls us under, our flesh pulls us under. Everything, there is a current downward instead of upward towards you. Let us live a life towards you and for you and in you, even while we're on this earth. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.